G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Joining me on the line right now is our Middle East correspondent, Ron Ross. How are you, mate? Good morning, Matt. Now, some big news after the Baghdadi raid in uh, the Middle East. A Christian, Kayla Mueller, was remembered. Tell us about that. Kayla Mueller was one of the four Americans whose murder by the Islamic State president Donald Trump described as especially heinous uh, when he announced the demise of Baghdadi, who ordered them tortured and murdered. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien said on Meet the Press on Sunday morning the mission had taken out Baghdadi was named after Mullah. We finally brought to justice a man that beheaded three Americans, two journalists and a humanitarian worker. Kayla Muller was working as a humanitarian, a great young American, idealistic young girl, uh, and certainly a young lady who loved the Lord. One of the things that General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, did was name the operation that took down al-Baghdadi after Kayla Muller, after what she'd suffered. Among other things, uh, she was raped by Baghdadi himself. Uh, and, of course, the demise of Baghdadi has brought praise worldwide, but what hasn't been reported uh, a lot is that his spokesperson, who was expected to replace him, was also murdered about 100 kilometres away by the same US group. Uh, So it's a big day in America and a big day in the Middle East. Certainly uh, massive news. Uh, I remember when uh, just a couple of days ago, I saw that Donald Trump was saying there's going to be a big announcement that something big's happened, you know, and yeah, then uh, right. it was all over the media and, and the big news. And, uh, you know, we've been praying that God would expose the darkness and, uh, you know, let's uh, keep praying for the Middle East in that area. Uh, and talking about uh, the Middle East, when you look at Israel, uh, there has been so much happening in politics there. And a new poll has declared the Israeli political system is in disarray. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, a recent poll conducted by Menachem Laser of the Israel Democracy Center's Goodman Center has revealed what voters think of a Netanyahu dance rotation. The inclusion of the ultra-Orthodox and Arab Israelis in the government, a two-party system, revoting for the same party again if a third election is called, and a possible Netanyahu indictment. 56% of the public support a rotation between Netanyahu and Gantz, who's the head of the Blue and White Party, for the position of Prime Minister. 14% support a rotation only if Netanyahu is first in line, and 20% only if Gantz is first. The place is in a shamozzle, and uh, I predicted some weeks ago uh, on this program that it would end up being a third election and I have no reason to change my mind as yet. Well, it is certainly one to watch. You know, the Bible tells us to keep watching and uh, discerning the times we're in. Uh, it's certainly fascinating uh, to see the instability uh, in Israeli politics right now. And on another related topic, uh, it's been a, 
a constant tension between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and there's been an interesting admission from an Arab diplomat. Yeah, Hussam Sumlot is the Palestinian Liberation Organization representative in the UK. He calls himself the ambassador of Palestine at the UK. He discussed how the Palestinians never wanted a two-state solution next to a Jewish state. And we've known that. I was over there when Yasser Arafat was in charge, and we know what his motive was then. Two states, he says, was merely a concession to the international community, but it was never a Palestinian desire. The entire land is ours, he said, and Jews have no rights there. This is not usually said in English. Usually in English, the Palestinians claim they want to live in peace with Israel, but now at least one uh, diplomat is officially admitting what their agenda has been right from the beginning. You know, I I read a a book years ago from Brother Andrew, the founder of Open Doors, and uh, I remember reading some of the stories in there that he'd met with different Arab leaders over the years and tried to share the gospel with them and and you know there's been just constant conflict between the Palestinians and the Jews you know and he said that what he would do is he would take them out into the desert and uh, for, for those that had come to Christ he'd take them out of the desert and he put the Jews and the Palestinians together and even though they were taught to hate each other when they realized that they had Christ at the center of their lives they were able to forgive each other and build relationships with each other And isn't it true, Ron, that really only a a relationship with Jesus Christ can transform this part of the world, huh? Yeah, I remember when Andrew came over uh, and was working with the Arabs, uh, he tried to make a deal with the Arab TV to show the Christmas movie of Jesus. Mm. And uh, they eventually, after he badgered them, uh, said they would show it on Christmas Day. uh, And it was never shown. Mm. So he went back to them and said, look, you promised me you were going to show it. And they said, oh, we lost the uh, uh, the program. Mm. And he said, that's all right, I've got 500 copies. <laughs> uh, he was quite a determined man. But I know from uh, work with uh, orphans uh, who are both Arab and Jews children, mm. uh, when they got together for camps for a week at a time, for the first day they were suspicious of one another and the second day they began to talk to one another, and by the third day they were sharing experiences of persecution with one another, and by the end of the camp they were sharing email addresses. Wow, wow, inspirational. You know, I've read stories of people like Billy Graham and Ravi Zacharias, Brother Andrew, you know, these great Christian heroes of the faith that have met with many Arab leaders uh, in their lifetime, and uh, it's so. It's like they're like a modern day Daniel or a modern day Esther. God's raised them up to speak into their lives, and we need to keep praying that God will keep sending people to, uh, you know, introduce them to Jesus. Because you know, a relationship with Christ is the only solution in the midst of all this. Uh, certainly, one to keep watching. Now, well, another was, uh, only uh, sharing recently. The only tool for world peace is evangelism. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Now, another report has concluded that Christianity may disappear from Syria and Iraq, and there's calls for international intervention. What's the latest on that? Yeah, the Christian exodus from parts of the Middle East has reached what they called an alarming proportion. It can only be stopped if the international community begins to act. That's the conclusion of a new report 
on Christian persecution published on October the 23 by Aid to the Church in Need. The 2019 edition of Persecuted and Forgotten, a biennial study of the persecution of Christians around the world, warns that Christianity is disappearing from towns and cities in the faith's ancient homeland. Despite the defeat of ISIS, the impact of genocide has led to the hemorrhaging of great numbers of Christians leaving the region. There were 1.5 million Christians in Iraq before 2003, but by mid-2019, that figure is 150,000. It's something we need to pray about, and if you're young enough, get up and do something about Absolutely. I've actually watched a couple of movies recently on YouTube called Sheep Among Wolves. Have you heard of that one? Yes. Isn't it inspirational, hey? Yeah, okay. It's it's our whole life as Christians is inspiring and uh, wonderful, and uh, we just need to be uh, able to hear the call and get on with it. Mm, absolutely, it, it is a free movie to watch on YouTube. If anyone wants to search it up, "Sheep Among Wolves," Part One and Part Two. It actually features uh, a friend of mine from Brisbane, a, a guy named Tim Buxton, who was working with the Kurds uh, in that part of the world, and he was also part of Times Square Church. Uh, in New York. Uh, yeah, well, with... oh, he's the son of Keith Buxton. That's right, Keith. Who was the leader of Bridges for Peace in Australia. Yeah, what an amazing connection, hey, to see a young Brizzy boy over there in the, you know, working with the Kurds in one of the most dangerous parts of the world, um, but caring for orphans, seeing people come to Christ. What a great witness, hey? Yeah, indeed. Mm. Now, great young man. A great young man. Now, last story we're looking at family. today. Uh, I love these archaeological discoveries. Uh, there's a new discovery on Jerusalem Pilgrimage Road which proves it was built by Pontius Pilate. That's cool. Yeah, I've walked it many times. The Roman governor who was responsible for condemning Jesus to death by crucifixion also ordered the construction of a street for pilgrims to follow to the Jewish temple more than 2,000 years ago. National Geographic reports that historians previously thought it was the Roman-appointed King Herod the Great who approved most of the large construction projects that remade ancient Jerusalem into a major pilgrimage and tourist centre. But a recent analysis of more than 100 coins found beneath the stepped street point to the start and completion of the effort under Pontius Pilate, who ruled for about a decade starting in AD 26 or 27. The latest coins discovered beneath the paving stones date to around AD 31. The most common Jerusalem coins from the first century were minted after 40, so not having them beneath the street means the street was built before their appearance, in other words, in the time of Pilate. That was a comment by Donald Ariel, a coin expert with the Israelis' Antiquities Authority. The road took 10 years for the Romans to build. When it was completed, it ran more than a third of a mile long and measured 26 feet wide. The Jerusalem Road, which has been uncovered by archaeologists, was travelled by Jewish pilgrims, obeying the biblical commandment to travel to Jerusalem three times a year for temple sacrifice at Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. 
Isn't it wonderful to hear these uh, recent discoveries? And on my trips to Israel, I remember seeing the Israeli Antiquities Authority, uh, you know, doing archaeological digs at different places. And you can actually do that as a part of your tour um, if you if you organise it beforehand. Have you ever done any digging over there yourself, Ron? Yeah, and I've met many young Australians uh, who volunteer to work on archaeological sites, and uh, they're very welcome. And I know some of them who have found some amazing stuff. Mm. And uh, there are a lot of Australians over there working with Israeli archaeologists. You know, Ron, when I was there, I went to the Valley of Elah, where the famous David and Goliath battle was. And I remember finding a little smooth stone with a little bit of blood on it. It could have been the one that killed uh, Goliath. What do you reckon? Uh, Right. Maybe not. Well, maybe if you believe it, brother, believe it. (laughs) Maybe I could sell that on eBay, eh? Yeah, right. (laughs) No. Uh, And and there is a a constant joke. While I was over there, our tour guide was a great Aussie bloke who was a a secular Jew, and he just kept on joking, you know, saying, some people believe this is the exact place where it happened, but some people believe it was over here, you know. (laughs) And the reality is, you know, there are some tour guides that will be very, very strict. Yes, this is exactly what happened there, and others that are a bit more vague about it. But either way, we know these things happen in this, this general area, don't we? <laughs> well, I remember it was uh, Constantine's mother who decided where most of the holy sites in Jerusalem were. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, absolutely awesome. Well, every time I talk to you, Ron, my heart uh, just goes out to Israel. I keep praying for the peace of Jerusalem every day, praying for God's blessing on Israel. And uh, we need to keep doing that as believers. And uh, hopefully I can get over there again one day. Ron, have you got any more plans to visit Israel in the future? Well, I think I join with the Jews saying next year in Jerusalem. (laughs) Amen. Good on you, Ron. Thanks for your time. God bless. Shalom. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.